Everybody, 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 drop your stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Evan Ross Katz, and I'm not flying solo today, but I am flying without my co-host. So listeners, bear with us. As we all know, Evan Ross Katz at the helm of any engine is an engine that could go many places. So we'll see where it goes. Um, But I'm very lucky because I am joined today by an old school alumni, someone that we've been wanting to have on the pod for quite some time. Um, who I think will be a fabulous pinch hitter, uh, a Survivor Guatemala alumni, I believe our very first on the, podca- on the podcast, Brian Corden. Brian, hello. Hello. How's it going? Glad to be here. You know, this is exciting because, first of all, you're one of the earliest out LGBTQ plus players. However, wait, were you out on the show? I'm correcting myself in real time. No, we can get into this whole saga. I was not only was Uh-oh. I out. I know. What what have you opened? Not only was I not out, but I, I hadn't. I didn't even identify at the time. So there's a whole post survivor wow. story that's involved with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I go way back. Okay, well, that is something I think we will get into when we hope to have you back on for our deep dive. But <laughs> but before we get into this episode, I do want to like get a little bit of an update from you. I mean. You appeared on season 11 of the show. Obviously, yeah. anyone listening to this recap knows that was many moons ago. What have you been up to in the decade plus since your time on the beach of Survivor? Oh my God, decade plus. It's like 18 years. I was 22. I'm 40 now. This is a 40-year-old speaking to you. So, yeah, I mean, I stayed pretty close-knit to the Survivor community, actually. It's easy when you, uh, you know, I live in New York, uh, so there's such a Survivor community right there. And uh, I don't know if your listeners know the Wine and Cheese uh, Alliance, but we we started, we were all young. Uh, we were in our 20s. We were on the show in New York, so it was just a really fun community to be a part of. And we've now just transitioned, uh, kind of transcended even past Survivor friends and just we're just like real friends at this point. You know, we, we know so much about each other. It's Eliza, mm. it's Courtney, it's Sophie, it's Steven, it's Charlie, it's Franny. Like, it's just this group. And most of actually don't even live in New York anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was easy to kind of stay in touch with Survivor, uh, even though I'm, I'm but a lowly pre-juror from the dark ages of Guatemala. Yeah. <laughs> but you're important for this podcast. Um, now tell me this much. When someone joins the Wine and Cheese Alliance, you know, these new oh, yeah. school players, is there mm-hmm. any kind of initiation that takes place? Or basically, if you're on Survivor and live in the New York area, you're in? We like to think of ourselves as pretty inclusive. Um, I mean, I don't think we have like a whole questionnaire to fill out. If you like wine, you like cheese, and you're on Survivor and you live in our five boroughs, we're good. You know, we, we got a lot of new people. Over the years, I mean, of course, it's been like Josh Canfield and Andrea Belke from uh, kind of the middle seasons. And, you know, recently, uh, this season, we've seen Claire and Maddie a lot. Um, recently, Victoria uh, from Edge of Extinction. She's been around. Jenny Kim from last season. Chanel. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. You know, we come and go. It's not nearly as formalized as it was back in what I would call Survivor's Golden Ages. Man, if you guys all knew what it was like back in the day of like 2008 to 10, when there used to be these like massive survivor parties in like Cocoa Beach and stuff like that. God, that was like, that was nuts. But you know, now we 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 hang and we're just uh, enjoy each other's company and enjoy the show. So that's uh, that's mm. the staff's the wine and cheese today. Bring the wine, bring the cheese you're in. I was gonna, listen, I mean, I'm not an alumni, but I can do t- two of those three things I'm very good at. So I'm gonna, like, keep my fingers crossed. Now, this is a very LGBTQ plus heavy season. Uh, we yeah. even had the very first all LGBTQ plus tribe with yes, Josh, Yam Yam, and Carolyn. Um, unfortunately, only two of those three remain, but thankfully. Yam no, Yam yeah, yeah, well, that's right. I'm sorry. I thought, yes, 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 yes. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. we'll get into. But, but really, this before we get into the latest episode, if you had to pick your favorite LGBTQ plus identifying survivor player of all time, Who's coming to mind for you straight away? I mean, so obviously my most close-knit group 
you've got Charlie, certainly, right? We I, love I, I, Charlie. Yes, I will stand for no Charkis erasure, even though he is very happily married to a wonderful guy now and has a kid. Um, but uh, of course, Charlie. I mean, you know, he's he's the one I'm certainly closest to. But God, that's a that's a long list of great characters on that one. Josh Canfield's there. Who else? I mean, Claire, Claire from this season. But if I, yeah, yeah my, my my personal favorite, Charlie, just because he's an actual real life friend. Yes, we love Charlie. Charlie is a listener of Drop Your Buffs, but Charlie will not come on Drop Your Buffs. Oh, uh, no, he will not. Char- uh-huh. No, he will not. But uh, Charlie, because you're listening, shout out to you, and I will coerce you one day. I am confident. Um, I'm, I'm, but- keep me posted. He is a... He is a- a bit more hesitant to get involved in anything like this. I think. Yes, yeah. I know he is, but I will stay on him like white on rice. And, uh, you know, one day. And for mm-hmm. those of you listening, uh, you know, you're probably in your mind going through some of your favorite LGBTQ plus alumni. We have a very iconic LGBTQ plus alum alum of the show coming on soon. Uh, not going to say anything outside of that, <gasps> but it's been someone that's been long requested and the time is now. But Great. that will actually no. That time is coming. <laughs> now we are here, and we are here today to discuss episode seven of season forty-four. Let's not be cute about it, Brian. Tell me this: Was this episode cute? You know, uh, funny. Well, I saw that quote. Let's not be cute about it. I really thought you had a good chance of it being a quote from one of the LGBTQ plus uh, community players. <laughs> Let's not be cute about that. That's like a trademark phrase. And then it ends up being mad, of course. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of hate for this episode online. I was reading today a lot. I, I was, you know, uh, I am at the forefront of the stop at the twist thing. I find like Jeff is basically um, an antsy little baby. I, I, he just like can't sit still. You know, he, you got, you just, you give him something and he ruins it, right? Um, I don't trust his his uh, emotional intelligence at the helm of a show like this, uh, actually, to be honest. Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think that Jeff has the mental fortitude to understand the subtleties of the game. Um, I I don't think Jeff himself would do well on Survivor. I, this is all, I mean, what, you know, but I just, the way he runs this show, it's just the opposite of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And mm-hmm. so I saw, you know, so much hate, obviously, because of all these twists and Matt was so kind of screwed here, but Frankly, I kind of like the episode, actually. Like, is that bad? No, I mean, that's great. I mean, I think it was a really fun episode. And I think that I think that there's already a contingency of people. I think Sean and I, and it sounds like you among them, that, yeah, have um, fatigue around the number of advantages mm-hmm. in the game. But I think that the conversation gets sort of heightened online when those advantages are at the cost of losing characters that we really love. And I think that in addition to Matt being just tremendously likable and having a ton of heart, we it's hard to watch him go knowing that if the game had played out as it was meant to play out, he very likely would not have gone home. And I think that makes this sort of a bitter exit to witness because Matt's time in the game, we didn't get a ton of him because he was on a winning tribe uh, pre-merge. And then we lose him to this like very bizarre twist, which we'll get into, but it's basically like an advantage on top of an advantage because it took me a while to understand. I mean, I'm slow listeners (laughs) are not going to be surprised to hear that, but like to understand that it's like, so the winning tribe in the competition all secures immunity as well as the winner of the losing tribe, the winner within the losing tribe. Yeah. I just would love to know when Propes is in the garage at the whiteboard, how they net it out with like, this is a, seems like a particularly confusing advantage. And I'm also wondering coming off of, you know, this mergatory twist that we, that we got last episode, mm-hmm. this almost feels like, a redux of that, but like even more complicated. And that's already quite complicated. Where do you net out on this particular advantage, which ultimately saw Matt go home? I feel like I actually, I think I'm a pretty appropriate guest for this episode um, because I am not a stranger to being squap screwed, right? That's how I, I ultimately meet my device in Guatemala. Um, and with these new seasons, uh, do you know, I, I played more days than Matt did, and I went to more tribal councils than anyone currently in the game still, except Let's for Jam Jam. 
Yeah. So it's just like you think of you think of I, I don't know I don't know how many of your viewers even watched Guatemala, but you're like, wow, okay, Brian was was a pre-jur. Yeah, but like the way the game used to work, where I found the game, I ended up playing more days than Matt did, and I went to more tribal councils than Matt did. Uh, the only person currently in the game, like I said, who, who's played the, uh, who's gone to the same number of tribal councils as I did so far is Jam Jam. <clears throat> and while that sounds, I guess, defensive, it, it's really just more like an indictment of this current era. Because I, you know, I, I find the 26-day season lame. I think it, it, it uh, erodes a lot of the really important parts of Survivor. And no matter what they do to try to kind of speed the game up and make it more intense and more challenges and, you know, you got to think of your feet. You gotta, uh, I actually think it ruins so much of the game. I used to want some of my most competitive friends to play survivor i used to want like my cousin who's in the army my sister's ex who's this real outdoorsy guy i'd be like you guys should do survivor you're gonna find it so challenging the social aspect is so interesting you guys are good at that i would now not recommend playing survivor to anyone who considers themselves a competitive person because i just while it's a super fun tv show and i will always watch it and i will always love it and i will always be its fan i will not defend it as a good game anymore um it's not a good game mm. anymore it's nonsense game. It's a it's 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 a pick a number who wins game. Uh, it's it's knock everyone down a hill. Who's the last one? You know at the bottom or whatever. It, it's just totally random. And Matt, I think, epitomizes that. There was no way Matt was going to go home last night if it weren't for these twenty six twists that led up to that. You know, not to mention his fake idol, which wouldn't have counted. His shot in the dark, which only had a one in six chance of working. You know, so he forgets his bag. But then there splits up the tribe, and then Heidi gets to choose a vote, and then he's outnumbered by the rock. It's like, okay, so do I think that Brandon's a better player than Matt? No, I think Brandon had the numbers on his side to this random draw. So it, it's just not a game of um, merit to me anymore, which really lessens its interest in playing for me. But I still, you know, as a viewer, you're just like, oh, ha. How random, can't predict it. And that's what Jeff is, and that's why I think he's like a child. I think it's just like you throw something shiny at Jeff Probst, and he's like, ooh, cool. How about this like control boat advantage? Fun. And it's like you need Mike White to talk him off these ledges. Yes. I unfortunately I think Mike is a little preoccupied at the moment. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've long talked about the fact that we would love Mike White to host the show or retool the show. But you know what? For all we know, Mike White is loving all these advantages, so we could be Boo Boo the Fool in the end and thinking could that be. Mike is, yeah, sort of this purist that perhaps he's not. Um, tell me this much, because I know, uh, you, you know, you mentioned the conversation that's happening online right now. There's a lot of conversation happening around Matt and whether or not he should have been able to go and get the bag, whether mm -hmm. or not someone should have brought it, whether or not he should have been separated from it to begin with. And this sort of gets into a larger conversation of with all of these new advantages and, and rule changes, they bring about sort of questions around pre-existing rules or pre-existing ways in which the game is played. I mean, typically you're not in a situation where you'd be separated from your bag ahead of tribal. And yet this very odd circumstance played out as it did. And then he couldn't bring his bag. And the question is really like, well, what if Matt would have had a real idol? Um, and had no way to access it, that just doesn't seem very fair. But on the one hand, I almost feel like, yes, we need to accept at some point, this new era of Survivor, like, fairness is not the barometer. And if, if that's the metric that you're using, you're always going to be out of luck. But, but where do you come down on that? Because we've never seen a moment like that play out in which a player was able to look at people sitting out of the game who aren't the jury but are not allowed to participate but could have helped him if they wanted to help him but didn't even realize that that was the case. Some are even saying Matt shouldn't have even been able to talk to them. Uh, but where do you come down on it? I felt strongly, actually, that Matt should not have been allowed to get a bag from the other people. And, mm -hmm. you know, for all of the twists, not bringing your bag to the challenge you know, like, look, that's a mistake. And especially if you're in the, if you are a player in the new era, I think you do, like you say, have to presuppose that it's just not going to be fair all the time. So I, I just would never put my, if I have an idol, or if I think I have an idol, because it's obviously a fake idol, or even the stupid shot in the dark thing, like, I think at no point am I separating myself from it. I, I just, I don't, I think that's a mistake. And so that's 
the one thing that Matt did have control over and he didn't do it. And I think that if the whole point of splitting them up is that these people are supposed to have zero influence on the vote, except for Heidi, who want a special advantage for that one particular right, then I don't think it's right for someone to be like, oh, actually, even though this whole twist was designed to split up alliances, we're going to supersede that by like the fact that all his alliance mates are over here on this side, we're going to bring him an extra a gift or something so that he can, he can have a, like, no, that's the whole point. You're separated out. Um, I think it's a dumb twist, but it is the twist. And I don't think he should have been allowed. I mean, he obviously didn't matter, but yeah, if he like had a real idol or something that like he said, boo boo for you. Like you did not bring your stuff with you. And that was dumb. Mm. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> there's so many advantages when I say advantage. I know, I'm yeah. I'm talking about. What are your thoughts on the the new birdcage advantage that presented itself kind of in the 11th hour that basically had all of the, the castaways scrambling on the beach to find a key to open the birdcage and essentially give them... Um, which is, this is a new advantage because we've previously, we've, we've dealt with steal a vote, but this was, I don't know how they articulated it, but it was basically you could control one person's vote. Um, so you could basically, it's kind of a double power, right? You negate their original Mm -hmm. vote that they were going to go for, and then you manipulate that vote. So that's voided and you get to redirect their vote, basically have them do something entirely against their will um, but you have to do it out in the open, which I thought was an interesting component uh-huh. to it. Um, but what did you make of that? Uh, uh, I think it seems like one and done moment for this. Uh, do you remember what it was called? It was like, I think the... it was control of vote, right? Control, control of vote. Okay. Vote? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What did yeah. you make of that? Well, I really wanted, I was like, oh, is this going to be a chance for us to see someone have to vote for themselves? That's what I thought. I was like, how diabolical, wow. how amazing would it be if Heidi's like, Lauren, I went, I'm controlling your vote. I want you to vote for Lauren. Like, imagine, and then imagine, like, if she goes home, imagine just like the humiliation of a screenshot for your rest of your life of like you holding up a parchment with your own name on it, and then you go home that episode. That's what I was kind of looking for. <laughs> wow, I hadn't considered that. That would that would be good television. Do you think it was ultimately an effective advantage? I mean, no. I guess factually the answer is no. But like, <laughs> no, is the, objectively. But 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 is there a world in which this could have? Because, I mean, just kind of gaming it out here, there's a world in which Matt finds this and is able to take one of the votes against him and put it on someone else. But at that point, I mean, from the audience satisfaction perspective, that if Matt would have found it, it probably just would have meant Yam Yam would go home. So mm-hmm. this was like that rare episode where I think a lot of viewers, I feel like collectively, we are pretty in agreement about loving Yam Yam and liking, if not loving Matt, I mean, I kind of love Matt. Yeah, um, Matt was great. Yeah, so I kind of feel like the unfortunate thing about this episode was no matter what was going to happen, it was going to be dissatisfying. But I also think that speaks to the quality of this cast, whereas I'm really, there are so many people that I don't want to see go home, um, which I think is ultimately like a net positive, right? Like I'd rather be, if I'm invested in who goes home, that to me is an indicator of that I like this season, which I do, I like this season, but I'm just not sure how effective that advantage could really be in this moment. It almost felt like it would be better served at a more tense moment in the game when more people are sort of backed into a corner. That's interesting. I mean, like first I agree with you, which is why I kind of like the episode, which is I was invested. Like the whole emotional aspect with Matt crying and Yam Yam upset and Carolyn upset for Yam Yam and Franny upset for Matt. I'm like, I'm invested in these people. So, but that's why Survivor's good. Survivor's good because of the cast, not because of their dumb twists. And that's what I don't think Jeff understands. So I was totally invested in that outcome. And I, I yeah, I wanted Jam Jam to stay. Um, but uh, yeah, that, so that twist. Yeah, there's a world, like, let's say you're somebody. So who, let's say Carolyn finds it, right? So Carolyn really wants to save Jam Jam. And Carolyn has no allegiance to anyone else there. So I think if like, if Carolyn gets it, I think she can use it to say, all right, um, you know, Brandon, I'm forcing you to vote for Lauren or, or whatever. Lauren, I'm forcing you to vote for Brandon, whatever, right? But pick one of the Ratu people. And then that now, now that sort of signals to Matt and Jam Jam, well, there's already one vote on, let's say, Brandon. So 
why don't we, you know, we like each other. Matt and Jam Jam have nothing against each other. Why don't the two of us team up? And now we'll put two more votes onto Brandon. And that'll be the three votes to send Brandon home, even if Lauren plays her extra vote. So then what? It's a three, three. I have to do all this math, right? Like survivors. No, but that's interesting. That's interesting what you're saying, because that also would provide the opportunity to have a live tribal which exactly. we haven't had in a long time. I'm not always a proponent no, of I tribals, but I think, yes. but I think this would be an interesting moment. Another thing that this makes me think about, and this is one of those weird things where like, I don't quite understand the rules here, but so we were told that those people that were not in contention to go home could not speak at the tribal, but then Heidi got up and she's like, wait, Jeff, I have this advantage, but I was under the impression that she wasn't going to be able to use it because it was voided by the fact that the rules state that she can't participate in the tribal council, which she did. So that was the, a little confusing to me. That part, I think the rules, like the parchment did say like this, this thing is only good for tonight. So like, I think the idea was this, this twist kind of exempted you from that silence and thing and you did have to do it. I did think maybe she'd have to do it in private. Like maybe she would have to report to producers and say, I'm stealing Lauren's vote and I'm forcing her to vote for this. So like when Lauren gets up to the, the booth, she sees like, your vote has been stolen. You are forced to vote for X. So I, she definitely had to use it for this episode. That, that was clear from the parchment. But yeah, I mean, like you say, once Heidi says it out loud, does that leave opportunity for a live tribal to come up in a way that makes a lot more sense for a live tribal? Like, it's not just that these people hadn't planned and hadn't figured their crap out by the time they got to tribal council. It's that there was brand new information brought in which would be caused for a live tribal. And I would, I would, I would accept that live tribal as opposed to like the whole edge of extinction entire season where you're just like, no, no one knows what they're doing. The season's awful. Oh yeah. Well, we don't acknowledge that season. <laughs> um, but tell me this much. What is your understanding of why Heidi chose to, uh, to redirect? Wait, what was, sorry. Chat. What is it? The... Control the vote. Control the vote. Control the vote. I should learn these mm-hmm. things. I'm a podcast host. Uh, why do you think that Heidi chose Lauren of all people? Because we had this brief moment in the last episode, which gave us the sense that they were sort of aligned with one another. And perhaps they still are. This could have all been strategy. So why do you think mm-hmm. that she chose Lauren? I think it's the classic thing of the last person you talk to is the the most influential. And that's why it's so important to have someone's ear right up until travel council. So I do think that Heidi probably did not want to um, target Jam Jam. But I don't think that she could have gotten Franny out of her ear. I suspect that was really Franny's move because Franny was so anxious about it. Franny has such a vested interest in saving Matt. And Franny is the one who's right there. Right. I mean, we also know that Heidi's really close with Danny. Um, so they're all they're, you know, they're all from the Soka tribe. So I'm sure Danny didn't want to ruffle feathers with getting rid of um, Matt yet. So even if Heidi had her own agenda, I suspect her hands were probably tied from a social perspective and that she just like look if i think outwardly kind of try to send matt home it's just going to look really bad to certainly franny and like maybe even danny uh um so at that point i think she kind of was forced that said like i just it was a waste it it ends up being pointless because so fine you steal lauren's vote who cares now jamie and brandon can still vote for matt and obviously jam jam's going to vote for matt so like what did you do? You did nothing. You, well, and right. maybe that's well, a in point. Theory, in theory, she flushed that extra vote that Lauren had. But I find that confusing because, again, going back to this last episode, I was given the impression that they might be working together somehow. So I would probably want my ally to have an extra vote because there could be ways in which that that's used to my advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, or you even have a shield within your own alliance to say... Go, you're going to gun for the person right, who has right. an extra vote. Exactly. but And she ends up, by the way, not even flushing that vote. So Lauren still has the extra. So it's a completely useless... It was fun TV, and it was fun to wonder what Hyde was going to do, but it ends up just being totally ineffectual. Like, okay, you did nothing, and you flushed nothing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to touch on in this episode was I feel like we are still getting very little of certain characters. Um, Lauren being the most obvious, but even thinking about Kane, we got a few confessionals from Kane this episode, but I still remain unclear if Kane ever communicates with anyone uh-huh. besides Danny and Carson. Um, so we haven't really gotten a lot of Kane. 
Carson played a pretty backseat in this episode, but the scenes for next week indicate that he's going to start to to rise up. Um, but there still just seems to be this imbalance, which I want to say is not always the worst thing. And we talk about this sometimes on the podcast where it's not that you necessarily need all the contestants to have equal screen time. But I am still feeling in episode seven that as well as I know the characters that I love, because even this episode where Carolyn played a pretty small role, I still got my fill of Carolyn and especially, yeah. you know, the, the lip licking and has anyone ever <laughs> appeared dirtier on the game of survivor than Carolyn? I feel like she's just constantly in mud. I love it. And it's fabulous. Yeah. It's the only way I want her. It's just perfect. She's perfect. No changes, no notes, 10 out of 10 for Carolyn. I think she's yeah. amazing. But I still mm-hmm. feel like there are some of these other characters that I just don't really have a clear sense of, or something. Sometimes you have players like Danny, for instance, who, I really, I know a little bit about him. I know I have a clear sense of where his head is at in the game. Um, but something that I'm craving, and, and this is not necessarily like new. I think other past seasons, even old school, have had this issue where it's like, I don't, like the people that aren't aligned, I don't even know if they have like social relationships with other people. There are just so many factions of people that I have not even seen interact with one another enough to know like, do they just get along on like a human level? Kind yeah. of like we had that scene with Josh and, and Jam Jam, which by the way, sorry, I said Yam Yam earlier because I was going phonetically. Uh, we had that scene with Josh and Jam Jam earlier uh, a couple episodes ago where they had just had this human moment of connection that was ultimately inconsequential right. to the strategy. We haven't gotten a lot of that on this season, um, minus a few spectacular moments like that and some Carolyn yeah. moments. I miss those. Yeah, I, I like they're and you said it. Like that's been since the beginning that they've been underedited players. I mean, we have our famous Purple Kelly from back in uh, Nicaragua, but I do think that's. I mean, not to beat this drum, I get it. Like I get that everyone hates it, and I get that it's not new. Like, it's not a hot take, but these twenty six eight seasons, I don't know what bonds you're forging. Like even Matt and Franny. Okay, so you've got this like cute nerd mance and Josh and Jam Jam bonding over coming out. And we know Carolyn and Jam Jam have this kind of relationship that's, you know, push and pull. But past that, like, so, yeah, what do you know about Kane? I literally, the one thing I know about Kane is, like, Dungeons and Dragons. Every time that man brings that up, they manage to put it on screen, and they do nothing else with it. So this poor guy is just like, I like Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, okay, who are your friends, man? Like, what, what, who are you voting with? I know nothing about you. Um, which, right. again, that's And we had a moment... But- Right. We had a moment several weeks ago when his name was being put out there to potentially be, yeah. you know, have votes against him. And it's like you there must have been some damage control that took place after the fact. I mean, he didn't go home, but to know that his name was on yeah. the mind of so many people. Did he go back and try and formulate bonds? I mean, I always say it's like if you're playing this game, I would imagine you're trying to form as many final twos or final threes as possible. Some genuine, some not. Right now, it just seems like we're not seeing Kane angling in any way at all. Whereas, like, you have a Carson who's being explicit about the fact of, like, he's right. got these options of where he can go. Yes, which puts Carson in probably more of a long-term player than Kane is, ultimately. Same with, like, Heidi. You don't really know much about what Heidi's doing. We have no idea what Lauren's doing, right? Those those three in particular feel very backseat. So I'm just like, I can't really feel invested in them at this point. Um but when you when you have a travel council every other day, it's less about these long term relationships and more about what's getting me to tomorrow. And I think that mm. there is downtime. But back in the day, we would have episodes. Well, not episodes. We'd have days where there was no challenge at all. And those days were the worst because you were just so bored. But what it forced you to do was talk to people. Right. So, for example, you know, if it's day 11 and there's no reward challenge and there's no travel council or immunity challenge, you get up at sunup you go down at sundown and for those 12 hours you're just with these people merely surviving you're not even plotting or anything and, and you get to know their families you get to know their backgrounds and of course it happens I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't happen these days but it would happen with much greater frequency in the past which i think made it a lot mm-hmm. harder to, to to turn on somebody because you're just like wow we've had these really in-depth talks that that transcended the game and we had all this downtime together And they don't have a ton of downtime together. So it's easier to just be like, my relationships are pretty superficial. I'm bouncing from place to place just to be as kind of opportunistic as I can be to get me through this next travel council. 
So yeah, if Kane has relationships, I have no idea if they're deep or not. I have no idea if Kane is being seen as somebody who's just like, well, we'll get rid of him when we need to, or like, he's a vote for me for now, or if anyone's invested in Yeah, it sounds like to diagnose the issue, because it, it sounds like there's two things at play here. Um, so one seems to be like this, this uh, shorter season and the yeah. impact that that has on players' ability to maneuver and form relationships beyond strategy, which can ultimately play a role in strategy, but in a more Definitely. subconscious way sometimes. So you have that, and that seems to be kind of easily remedied because we were under the impression that the 26-day season was brought about because of COVID restrictions. So it was surprising for a lot of us to then see seasons 43 and 44 continue in that tradition. Other things that we've lost include the family visit has not come back, despite the fact that it could. Um, we still don't have reunions, uh, despite the fact that we could. Um, yeah. So that seems to be one aspect. And then the other aspect most obviously seems to be this issue around advantages. Now, obviously, as a Survivor fan and former player, you know, actually, your time as a player, you don't really know. But as your time as a viewer, you know that advantages are nothing new and, and right. frustration around advantages from the fandom are nothing new. I wanted to read you a tweet from uh, Survivor winner Adam Klein and get your response. He tweeted yes, last I night saying... Adam. Please, Survivor Gods, can we just have one normal vote where everyone gets to participate? Is that too much to ask for? No disrespect to the cast. For reasons out of their control, this season is a mess. Let the players play. Leave hashtag expect the unexpected to the other show. And by other show, he's yeah, referring to Big Brother. Of course. Big Brother. Yeah, but, but what do you make of Adam's tweet? First of all, yeah, I mean, as soon as you start <laughs> invoking Big Brother and Survivor, you have gone in the wrong direction. <laughs> Dig up. Like, no. So, yeah, th that's obviously a bad idea to uh, to start going the Big Brother route. I, I agree with Adam about letting the players play and just, like, let the game happen. I don't know that I would call this season a mess. I kind of yeah, I like it yeah. better than I, I think I like it better than 43, 41. I mean, 42 is pretty good. Um, Again, I just have to sort of reframe. It's like, Brian, it's not the survivor that you played. It's not the survivor that you learned to love growing up, but it is a TV show that you enjoy. So would I want to play this version of the game? Probably not. I, I would want to play, you know, the more classic version. So I do agree with Adam. It's like, I, I do wish they would just let the players play. But like, you know, for all we're talking about relationships, one of the reasons I was so invested last night was watching Carolyn get upset that Jamjin could be going without her being able to fix that, or Franny being upset that Matt could be going, even though, I mean, to do, uh, we could get into the idea that, like, should Franny have um, dropped out of the immunity challenge? Once she was the winner, right? If she's already got immunity for herself, shouldn't she bow out so that Matt is now immune on his team, so that pretty much all of her allies are immune? Um, and now the only, right. So that's, that was some chatter. So I was like, yeah, I thought that too. When Franny was up there, I said, oh, she should really end it now. Because well, it's complicated though, because like she is perceived as being in a duo with Matt. So as much as I would imagine that, the, yes, that's seemingly a smart move. It could also be interpreted by many to be exactly as it is. And therefore... Mm -hmm continue to put a target on her because they're not like a stealth twosome. Now, counterpoint to my point, huh. you have Carolyn and, and Jam Jam, which are kind of explicitly something of a twosome, if not a threesome with Carson. And there are other formulations of, of pairs out there, but they seem to be the most obvious one. And we've not seen that had any consequence by way of the vote until this episode. But even that, it's hard to say why Matt went home outside of the deck was stacked against him. Yeah. Uh, so, but if Franny, if, let, if Franny drops down, she's immune. You, I mean, totally, I get the point. Like, yeah, now she's just kind of made it bigger. But she has, but the thing is, she doesn't have to like throw it. It's that, that's a really easy right, challenge. Right, yeah, she's yeah. like, oh my goodness, this really complicated ball, it fell. Like, no one's going to suspect you throw it, right? I mean, in fact, I doubt people thought she was going to beat Brandon. So if she does end up kind of dropping the ball, literally, then... She's still immune because she's the last winner. Or she's the last one standing on her team. And um, we got Matt would have been immune. So who would have been up? It would have been Carson and Carolyn. 
and uh, Heidi and Danny, and I'm forgetting somebody. Who have I forgotten? <laughs> but honestly, part of the problem with the new seasons is that the players actually are less memorable. I feel like they're just chess pieces. So they're sort of all interchangeable because no one's actually got any agency in the game. Is it Kane? So, it is, look at that. Actually, you're a thousand percent right. Yeah. Our whole point about poor Kane being totally forgettable through no fault no. of his own. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Kane. Um, so then, like, who goes then? Because then it has to be one of Kane, Heidi, Danny, Carson, or Carolyn. And by the way, both Carolyn and Danny have real idols. And does Carson have an idol? <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, God. Who knows? No, I don't I think he... Hard to God. say. But yes, that, that would have created some interesting potential dynamics. But I definitely think it's interesting going back to Adam Klein's tweet that in my experience with this fandom, I've always been of the mindset where like, I feel like I'm harder on the show than most people. What I'm noticing with this current season is a lot of prominent voices in the Survivor community, both former contestants and people that, you know, podcast, right about the the show, show. Yeah. openly critiquing the show in ways that I haven't seen before, which is interesting to me because like I had so many issues with 41 and 42 um, about some of the changes that were first brought about in those seasons where now maybe I'm just exhausted and sort of just (laughs) subservient to like the the game as it is now. But I feel like one of the ingredients that's not always being recognized in this current season is like, yes, we have too many advantages. Yes, the game is too complicated. Sure, sure, sure. But I think that this season has really nailed the casting. Of I do too. The castaways that I, love I think that is something that like, I'm always going to, it's like, if we can focus on good casts, not that I'm pro advantages, but I think that mm-hmm. that is a, move in the right direction and, and something to be frank was not present in 43 that oh, I think should no. be applauded for 44. I totally, I thought 42's cast was fantastic. I think this cast is fantastic. I completely agree. I would love to see this cast play a real social game rather than a real, you know, kind of a advantage driven game. Do you yes. want to play survivor? Would you play? No, I would not play. You would not. And um, is that because you don't like the strategy or you don't want to live on an Island with the, crap and all that um i would never be on reality television like i'm just (laughs) interested in like being perceived um okay (laughs) but i would have a hard time with the i mean the bugs would be challenging for me but i'd be really excited about like the challenges and the strategizing and i think i could have a really good i think i would do well for the re i just think i would be able to team up with the people that people would not expect me to team up with okay I would yeah. take down the gays. Um, oh, no! I, I, no, maybe I would, though. Who's to say? Um, no, oh, I'm not no. interested in playing. Would you come back on the show? I mean, look, I'm not going to say no, because <clears throat> um, that would be a complete lie. Uh, I would really wish I could play my game over, you know, especially with more age. I was 22, and a lot of young people do very well on the show. It's not like, I mean, Todd won, and then Jenna Maraska won. Um, so it's not that you can't win when you're young. But I do think that my age probably was an impediment to my game. Um, I think that uh, I, you know, it's it's hard to shake Survivor from your subconscious. I, I, and maybe maybe I'll speak for myself. Maybe I shouldn't generalize to anybody else. But it's such a life altering experience that even though it's 18 years ago and I've done a trillion other things since then, because it is such a salient part of my life still. I mean, I have lifelong friends from it. I still watch the show. Um, I mean, I see Eliza every single week. We do trivia together. We're we're on a bar trivia team together. So, um, you know, Survivor still has this place. So, so maybe that's part of the reason that it's hard to shake. But, you know, every now and then you have a dream that you're back out there. And it's the most disconcerting and, like, unnerving thing to wake up and be like, oh, God, that wasn't real. I wasn't playing again. Like, oh, I don't have a shot to, like, get another million, like, get get, get a million dollars from Survivor. Um so I would love to play again, but I don't think that this game in this iteration is like worthy of admiration. Um, I don't think that there's virtue in winning Survivor these days because I think the luck is too high. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's something to be said when you outwitted, outlasted, outplayed. And there's a something completely different thing to be said when you're like, well, I pulled the right rock. And it's just like, okay, good for you. Like you pulled enough right rocks, but like, and not to say there's no skill, of course there's skill, but Danny said it the other day. And actually I thought it was a really 
embarrassing thing for the show to air not realizing it. I think it was when they did the, it was like the stupid murgatory thing last week and they split them up and Jeff was like having them pull from bags and Jeff's like, how are you feeling, Danny? And Danny's like, you know, certainly the game takes skill, but I don't think anyone's going to argue that it doesn't take a lot of luck to win Survivor. And I'm like, see, that's the opposite of what it should have said. You should have yeah. said, of course the game has luck, but no one's going to argue it doesn't take a lot of skill. And the fact that now luck is at the forefront, it just makes it less, I mean, it makes it less of a compelling story to me when somebody wins the game when they had so much go right for them instead of they made things go right for them. And mm-hmm. sure, could could Matt have found an idol? You know, Brent, could Matt have won immunity? There's a number of things Matt could have done. Of course, yes, yes, skill is involved. I totally get it. I understand. I feel like I already hear listeners going like, Ba-na-na. but like there's too much luck that it feels unsatisfying um, to play the game because, yeah, I don't want to play Russian roulette either. So, no, I, I want to play good survivor, not this survivor. Mm. Tell me this, and, and I think we'll we'll get more into Guatemala when we have you back on the show, because I have many thoughts about what I would consider to be a very forgotten season. Of oh, it is Survivor. definitely a forgotten season. For sure that it and, is, yes. And maybe for good reason to some extent. But ah! um <laughs> no shame. <laughs> um but tell me this, you know, Danny Boatwright is the winner of season eleven of Survivor. Danny came back for winners at war. Um, a real surprise get, a really sort of mm-hmm. wild card by way of winners. And Danny really tanked the game um, for a lot of fans of the show by we were already limited in our number of old school players that were Mm -hmm. asked back. You know, we've had uh, Earl and Vesepia on this show, um, both of whom were not asked to participate in Winners at War. Crazy. So we already Mm -hmm. had a limited pool of iconic winners. And so Danny comes back in and this band of old school players, which is already sort of in the minority, is trying to stay together. And Danny puts a knife in their back and twists it. I'm just wondering what that was like for you watching your former um, castaway that you played the game with. Um, ruin season 40 of Survivor. Danny! So I love Danny. So so bias admitted right from the start. Um, Danny and I chatted a lot before she went out to work, win us a war because she hadn't really watched the show in a long time and she knows that I do. So she reaches out. I mean, I kind of, once we hear the theme is going to be winners at war, right? I sent her a message and I was like, good luck if the phone calls. Um, <laughs> so then she kind of finally reaches out and says, all right, fine. Yes. Like this is happening. Um, <clears throat> what do I do? I don't know any of these people. So I wrote up these like dossiers for her. So I created a dossier on every single winner who was going out there um, and uh, gave her kind of the, the lowdown on how many idols they found and whether they were this kind of player or that kind of player and who they were connected with and blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, a good lot of dinner because she was you know out so early. But Danny and I really reconnected over Winners of War and uh, I was so excited to watch her. I, I was like, it's time for the Guatemala Renaissance. Like Danny's going to win and everyone's going to be interested in Guatemala and they're going to start bringing us all back and it's going to be great. And that did. So it was a giant flame out, unfortunately. Um, it just, it, 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 yeah. I mean, that whole, I, I found Winners of War to be a tremendous disappointment of a season because obviously I am old school and you just watch, right? Amber go, Danny go. Uh, Ethan goes, Yule, uh, all these old school players just fall one by poverty, Rob, like everybody I was rooting for is out before the merge. And I'm like left with, you know, Ben and Sarah. And I'm like, didn't even care about these people in the first place. Well, we had Sophie for a while, which was. We did. Know, and Sophie, that was like the thing I could hold on to was Sophie was in it for a good chunk. Yes. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll touch down on Guatemala when we have you back, I did want to get your thoughts on the reward this week. So mm-hmm. we had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and yes. they were accompanied by salty potato chips oh my God. and iced tea. Jeff was horny <laughs> for those salty potato chips. I give a line reading, but I don't want to scare the listener. But um, salty. yeah. Mm. Uh, what do you what do you make? Are you someone? I mean, you know, we come from a or rather you come from an era of survivor when you might have gotten a salty potato chip <laughs> as the reward. I mean, 
Tina from Australia and Australia famously. Yeah, I mean, and that was, mm-hmm. I believe, a single Dorito. A Dorito. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is a pretty good reward. I feel like you've got the protein in the peanut butter. Yeah. You've got the carbs of the bread. You have the saltiness of the chips. Salty. I was I I would do it. I mean, like I'm into it. Yeah, no, no. I, I you listen. I throw those chips onto that sandwich. Absolutely. You know it. what? Mm-hmm. I like that. I feel like um, not enough people kind of use chips as an accoutrement that can like exist on a sandwich. I know. Kind too many people like, are basic you know, you have with those twits, places so. like Permani Brothers in Pittsburgh that put the French fries on the sandwich. But that's a different. That's not a textural. No, sensation. you need the crunch. Like a, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my god. I, yeah. Absolutely. No, yeah. I full support it. I thought they give them some alcohol. I want to see them give the alcohol more. I, I feel like the, the contestants yeah. don't get enough alcohol because that'll just really. It, it always adds to a good moment. It always adds to a moment where someone overindulges. I mean, they've had zero calories for two weeks. And they take like a sip of a beer and they're knocked out. And it's just good TV. I mean, for anyone that's looking for some great drunken survivor moments, uh, I, I plead with people to revisit Big Tom on Survivor All-Stars for some of the best uh, drunken such a, that Such ever. a solid throwback. Yes. Yeah, and such a player that in need of a return. It's like you have these players of an era that were so big that are just a lost huge, to the cannon. Huge, huge, like, huge. Mm-hmm. When the world needed him most, big time <laughs> disappeared. Um, yeah, the other question I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, you come from an era when the show was sort of very much going for like a found footage quality to it. Yeah. And you have these moments now when they do those when they sh- first show you the challenge and the camera like is back and then it like zooms forward and then the the dr- the drone sort of like circles around and then we also get these action shots um of the contestants arriving to the challenge where mm-hmm. it's like so slow motion yeah and it's like very yeah. i don't know i guess Salty. Marvel, if i've never i've never seen no i've seen spider-man but no I, I don't really know marvel but it's yeah it feels very sort of like you know, yeah. these are gladiators entering the wherever gladiators enter. Um, what do you make of that change and sort of the visual component of the show? I mean, I'm fine with the cinematography. I feel like they're they're angling back for that Emmy glory that they once had and just can't seem mm. to reach it, you know. Uh, and actually, you know, to be honest, while the show itself, I think, in quality is a different vibe. I do think the cinema, like, I think they probably should get an Emmy for that. They're doing some pretty cool cinematic stuff. I don't mind it. I don't think it takes away too much from the show. When you watch, in fact, actually, I think if you watch Borneo now, it almost feels like a relic from another era. It's like grainy and they would do these like night challenges and it just feels very different. So if they want Survivor elevated from a cinematic, like cinematographical, wow, is that a word? That we're going to go with that? If they want to do that. We're going with that. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, I'm fine with that. I, I don't mind. I think it's a little cheesy. You know, Danny coming to the challenge and he like whips his head around in slow motion. <laughs> like, I mean, he's not, yeah, he's not Iron Man, but okay. Yeah. It's true, but the, I feel like they really, uh, I can tell they're really enjoying this. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, maybe they're angling for their Emmy. And I think they're up against Drag Race, I believe. So I feel like that's a, uh, that's, yeah. it's a taller, taller order. Taller order. Yeah. So it's moving also the, forward, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, the budget you said before, you know, how they've uh, uh, cut it to 26 days. There's no family visits, no reunion. Like, I feel like all the money they're saving on all that, they're putting toward better drone footage. It's like, can't Sia take the money that she's giving to the contestants <laughs> and reallocate it yeah. toward a 39-day game? Or even, you know, Tyler Perry, friend of the show, or right. Jack Black. Apparently, Jack Black is a big I fan. Saw. He showed up at a recent watch party, and it's like, these are mega, mega millionaires. It's like, mm-hmm. let's get our funds together. Mm-hmm. And the and the, I don't know if irony is the word, but the funny thing about all of this is that you have many people that are arguing that a million dollar prize in 2023 is simply not adequate. And here we are like, listen, honey, like the, the budget constraints are run far deeper than upping the, the cash prize. It's like, exactly. yeah. yeah. Which yes. is interesting though, because it's like the show seems to, I mean, I think it's at this very comfortable place in terms of like people like you and I and many of our listeners who are like, we're in it. Like we're going to keep watching Survivor mm-hmm. till yeah. it all comes crashing down. So exactly. I'm surprised that we don't have more of a budget because I would think a network loves having sort of a tentpole show that has a really loyal and consistent following. There's a rumor that for 45, the episodes are all going to be 90 minutes long. I have read that rumor as well. Um, I would say that, are you a drag race viewer? I'm not. 
So Drag Race was 60 Minutes for many, many years. And then when the show went over to VH1, I believe it was season nine. I might have my facts wrong here. But they expanded to 90 Minutes. And Mm -hmm. people were like, you know, clacking their fans. And then this season, it got shortened back to 60 Minutes. And then there was such an outcry from the fandom. I don't know if this was, I don't know if it changed back as a result of the outcry from the fandom. But then it moved to 90 minutes, okay? Okay. And everyone Mm -hmm. was, again, clacking their fans. Now, my thing is, I feel like you can do 90-minute episodes for the first half of the season when you have lots of players and there's more story to tell in terms of relationships and whatnot. When you get down to the wire, there's a reason why the finale of Survivor, we go from six to one in Mm -hmm. one two-hour episode. There's a reason why. Yeah, so... I don't know if I don't know if the solution is the time that we're spending to watch the show so much as other changes. For instance, you know, we talked last week about maybe the puzzles can't be 3D rendered by contestants in advance. Uh, maybe we go back to a 39 day game. Maybe we change up the location of the show. Mm, maybe yes. there's a new host. I mean, there's a there's a <laughs> bevy of 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 possibilities. Um, But, you know, just to wrap things up here, talking about 44 for a moment, who do you think is currently in the best position moving forward? I think Franny is in a great position now uh, because she's separated from a duo. So now her threat level has been totally managed. She's, you know, ensconced inside that big Soka alliance. And if anyone's going to be gunned for first, it's going to be Danny, not her. So I'd say Franny's in a fantastic position. Um, I mean, if orange and green keep going at each other, you got those three purple in the middle. So Carolyn, mm-hmm. Jam Jam, and Carson, depending on which way the wind blows. I don't see Ratu pulling this off. I just think we haven't focused enough on them in the edit. Um, what do we really know about Lauren? Even Jamie, the edit's always just like, look at Jamie, who thinks she knows everything and knows nothing. We don't get that much from Brandon. We get nothing from Kane. So I'm seeing orange get wiped out. So I think we're down to green and purple. Okay. Now we have this moment in this episode where Matt figured out that his idol was fake. Mm -hmm. Obviously his bag is back at the beach and that fake idol is in there. Does, do you think Matt had time to communicate that to Franny? Because there's a world in which Franny or someone finds this idol and believes it to be an active idol. Fascinating. Because his bag's going to be there. I wonder if we get that. See the, a good editor would address that, right? But we're not going to get that this week. But you're totally right. Like, Matt literally just said, I have a bag of tricks. He says that out loud in front of mm-hmm. everyone at Tribal Council. He says, I left my bag at camp. A good editor should now follow up next episode with Franny going back and be like, I got to find this bag because he literally said it had a bag of tricks in it. Obviously, the shot of the dark is useless because that's per person. But yeah, yeah, that's a yes. I want to know that now. You have made me more interested in next week's episode. Of course, I'm going to be let down. Okay, and tell me this. Who are you rooting for to win season 44? And who will win season 44? I'm so rooting for Carolyn. I think we are so overdue for a winner like Carolyn. Because she's smart. She's not this, like, Debbie character who's just a total nut job. Carolyn knows what she's doing. Carolyn, like, has a head on her shoulders. She's made moves. She's made connections. But nobody takes her seriously, which is the problem. So I don't think that she can. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she can. I don't think Gabler could win last season. Um, so that's true. Uh, may, maybe people will finally, you know, give Carolyn the respect, put some respect on the name. But so she, I'm rooting for her. I just, I think she's great. I, I okay. I, I, everything about her, I love. Uh, you know, will people win. like will win. Oh God, it's gonna be Carson. I'm just gonna be so like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm over the Carson type because I'm bitter. <laughs> like the, the young, smart guy. Why do they always do well when I got booted in a twist? So, um, I mean, I feel like we're heading toward Carson. He's getting so much screen time. Or um, Danny. Uh, Carson, Danny. Man, Danny's got a high threat level. I'm going to say Carson. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <clears throat> I also feel like. I'd rather Carolyn lose this season and come back soon um, because we're more likely to have, I just don't see them bringing back winners anytime in the near oh, future. I think it's more right. likely that they would go with a fans versus favorites um, yeah. than anything. And 
I feel like also the fan response to Carolyn could hopefully instigate them to get a returning player season back on the yeah. books. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a bunch maybe, to pick from. Mm-hmm. They, they sure do. They sure do. Okay. A couple last questions, high level thoughts that I just want to touch down on before I let you go. You know, there was a recent feud that was reignited uh, between Parvati and Sandra. I'm using somewhat of air quotes because I think that they both have a sense of humor about it. Um, uh-huh. But but tell me, in the in the who is the oh, queen no. of Survivor conversation, uh, Parvati or Sandra, where do you come down? Oh, boy, this question. Okay, so here's what I'll, I will give my um, most diplomatic answer, which is I have known Sandra far longer. So I know I know I know I'm in Parvati stand territory and I love Parvati. So I, I'm not, I'm not picking one up and kicking the other down. If they could both win every season, I would put them both on that Mount Rushmore. I think Parvati is a phenomenal player. Sandra, I've known Sandra for a very long time. And what I find really amazing about Sandra is she, as I mean, no one would argue against, she is survivor royalty. She is so kind like the way Sandra incorporates you in and and really treats everybody like they're part of the family. There's something so warm about that. And I just really appreciate it. And um, Sandra actually had a party in New York for uh, survivor a couple of weeks ago, actually. And, you know, she reaches out and she's like, Hey, Brian, I'm going to be in New York. Please come. I'd love to see you. And I was like, little old me, Sandra, like, it's just, it makes you feel good. Parvati has that quality too, by the way, Parvati is intensely charismatic. And when you're talking to Parvati, you're just like, wow, this woman oozes charisma. But I, I will say I am team Sandra, and that is no shade to Parvati. Okay. Um, another Survivor hot topic of recent is uh, the winner of season 37, who we do not use his name on this podcast, but he has come under fire for his uh, presenting anti-trans legislation in Kentucky, where he... <laughs> I don't know. Is he? I don't. I don't know Kentucky politics. He's in some position of power. Uh, yeah, he's in the state legislature. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, state legislature. Yeah. What are your feelings about that uh, winner of Survivor season thirty-seven? It's horrible. It's. I mean, I, does it need to be said? Of course, it needs, it needs to be said. It needs to be said loudly, and it needs to be said repeatedly. It's terrible. Um, obviously, uh, I mean that season was a great season. Um, was I rooting for him to win in the end? No. But um, his role now in politics, I don't know Kentucky. I'm not from Kentucky. I don't live in Kentucky. I know nothing about Kentucky. What I know about Kentucky is merely the stereotype that is given about Kentucky. And that's, of course, an unfair stereotype since I have no information about it. But the idea that you would attack vulnerable populations is just so abhorrent. It's it's horrific. This country needs a real wake-up call Mm -hmm. in the way we treat vulnerable people Mm -hmm. yes and and to your point yes it does not need to be said and it needs to be said it can be i i understand Mm -hmm. that perspective um okay last question a little bit of a 180 but who when i ask you to name three of the sexiest men to have played survivor who are some immediate names that come to mind for you and i ask this because we are we have long been teasing doing our list of the hottest men of survivor um and now i'm currently um watching season two of australian survivor which, you know, has hot men top of mind for me. Uh, but uh, Australian Survivor aside, um, yeah, when you think of the hot men of Survivor, who, who's on your list? I think some of the most attract. Okay, so um, Ethan in All Stars. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Ethan in All Stars? Do I remember Ethan in All Stars? Yeah, it, it was a very good look for him. Um, I think Ken from Millennials vs. Gen X is a great Let's have that person. conversation. That's so important. Also, where is Ken? He, I, he's not on social media. I have no idea. I don't follow him. I don't know anything about Ken, but he was a good looking It's funny. Dude. Everyone's talking about, you know, Ryan Gosling is Ken. And it's like, what about Ken from Survivor? <laughs> what about Ken? This Ken is missing. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know where this, this Ken, Ken is. This Ken is missing. <laughs> truly. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I really like that entry. Thank you. Okay, great. Okay, and, uh, you know, there's some... I, I, need, I feel like I want to get the right answer. I feel like I'm forgetting some of that's really obvious, but... Okay, I just need to correct the record, though, and say, Ken is not missing. I did just find him on Instagram. Oh, that was he, fast. I know. Uh, yeah, it just takes one Google. He does not identify as a Survivor player in his bio. Really? He does have that's his pronouns weird. listed, which always gives me, like, tells me he's likely not a 
that bad human being. Actually, <laughs> wait, hold on. Okay, wait, this is relevant. Ken has a post from March 23rd, and it says, I wonder who has the courage to admit that the push to get rid of anything LGBTQ in schools, books and movies, isn't really to protect the children, but that they just simply don't like gay people or, or are made uncomfortable by them. Who's willing to come out of the closet? Okay, interesting. The hashtags are protect the kids, don't say gay, say. Dis- oh my God, wait, hold on. Okay, so there's hashtag Trump 2024 and there's hashtag gay is okay. Hashtag trans pride, hashtag support LGBTQ, hashtag Wait, what's, DeSantis. What's, what's his name? Hold on. What I, okay, DeSantis. yeah, it's the, no. it's the Ken Cole on Instagram. I'm really confused. I don't know if this is pro or anti, and I'm only laughing because life is funny, not because, I mean, this is a little funny, but I don't know if this is a pro-gay or anti-gay, I wonder who would be willing to say, I simply don't like them, don't like seeing them, I don't want them around my children. Or for those who believe it really is to protect the kids, are you also protecting them from gun violence, toxic foods, and screen addictions? I can't, okay. Okay, I do think this is a pro LGBT. I think it's pro. I think think we cannot drag Ken's name through the mud. I think this is pro, and I think that those hashtags are to attract people interested in that topic, not to amplify that message himself. That's what I think that okay, is. Okay, that, like, that's a tactic. I think that we need to be more explicit about that tactic, but I hear that tactic. Okay, I, anyway. I don't think he reads to me. He also has a semi-naked photo as you scroll down further. Um, oh my God, I'm scrolling. Uh, um, it's just a, it's a cowboy hat on his, uh, you know. Wow. Um, I don't I see it. this guy being like DeSantis 2024. He's also got an Indigenous People's Day post. Like, you can't put an indigenous people's post up and also be like, Trump 2024. Like, so it's I'm true. pretty, I, I feel like I'm, I'm choosing to believe that that was a, um, attract those, like get that message yeah. to those people kind of thing. Also, let's just be honest here. Like he looks hot. Ken's a great looking guy. That's yeah. Hey, listen, my answers are on point. Okay. So Ethan from survivor all-stars Ken, and then did you name a third? I didn't, and I'm thinking of one. Oh, you know who else? Um, Pete from Philippines. Pete from I don't remember this person, but he has my attention. Wow. <laughs> he was with um Abby Maria. Okay, in the original, like with RC and Abby Maria, that original. Yes. Little RC is also wine and cheese. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love RC. She's great. I feel like RC could have been Angelina before Angelina was Angelina. Oh, totally. So <laughs> a thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, okay, well, thank you for touching down on this. Before I let you go, Brian, you know, and we'll get into this hopefully when we have you back, but what have you been up to? Like, what do you do outside of the wine and cheese, uh, the group that you're yeah. part of? What's life like I, I do uh, SAT prep. So I've been, actually, it's the same job I've had ever since college. So I did it when I was an undergrad and then I started uh, working full time. And so I do uh, tutoring and teaching. I teach classes. I write SAT questions. I write practice tests. I get kids prepared for it. That's all that I do is I'm in the New York City, greater area test prep industry, and I travel. And I mean, how- that's I mean, basically those two things. It's test prep, it's SAT, SAT survivor, and travel. That's that's like my life. Doesn't sound bad. No, it's great. I'm I'm very happy with it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well and that you're happy. Thank you for being here today, Brian. I would like you. So we, so Sean and I, we are hosting. Uh, a season 30, excuse me, season 35, season 45 premiere party um, where we are lining up some legends um, and we would love you to be a part of it. We have nothing planned whatsoever about it, but we have committed to doing our first in-person and Parvati said yes and Ozzy said yes. And so oh, we are fantastic. continuing to, we're going to, you know, it's going to be an Avengers assemble moment. And Amazing. we want to have as many LGBTQ plus uh, alumni of the show in one room because we are an LGBTQ plus survivor podcast. One of them, Fantastic. but not the only, um, but anyway, so we would love to have you there and have our listeners be able to meet you in person. Um, thank you for being here. Do we encourage people to follow you on the socials or are you someone that that is not? Oh yeah. 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 I, I mean, honestly, I only tweet about survivor. That's like, I show up on Twitter just for survivors purposes. So sure. Yes, please. I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm, Brian Carden was taken, so it's just Bri Carden, B-R-I-C-O-R-R-I-D-A-N. And then on Instagram, I tweet, I uh, post more about my travels. So that's that's at Brian Carden on Instagram. 
And while we're talking hot Survivor players, for those that don't have the visual here, Brian uh, likes a shirtless selfie. Not really <laughs> selfie. You like a photograph, a shirtless <laughs> photograph, really. Uh, um, yeah. And they are very, they're good for the eyeballs. So everyone head over to actually, <laughs> you know what? Drop your buffs, listeners. Please go to Brian's most recent photo. And actually, Brian, we'll assign you the emoji today. So every week we choose an emoji that corresponds to the episode. And we have our listeners comment on the most recent drop your buffs a post with that emoji i'm going to task viewers this week please use that emoji under the drop your buffs post and go to brian's instagram and use that emoji on his most recent post as well to show some love for brian brian what is the emoji that we are going to be using this week oh boy okay all right emoji for this week oh this is such a task evan i wasn't prepared all right so something for sorry, sorry something for matt Matt, what did what did Matt do? There's nothing great, right? He didn't. Uh... He cried a lot. Yeah, I don't I want a bunch of crying, <laughs> crying emojis on my post. Yeah, Seems yeah, like yeah. a bummer, right? Yeah. All right. So we just do classic, like a uh, like like a rice emoji, just for Survivor, Survivor rice. Is that it? Because yeah, I, I can't I mean, think of anything we... for this episode. No, no, no. We love a classic rice. Okay, so the bowl rice. of rice, mm-hmm. the white, the white bowl of rice. That's it. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everyone survivor. here. Mm-hmm. So thank you for listening to this week's episode. You're going to go to our Instagram and drop the rice emoji on here, as well as Brian's Instagram. We will have Brian back in the future where we can deep dive on Guatemala and get some of his larger thoughts on Survivor. But Brian, thank you so much for joining us this week. My pleasure. Sean thank has you. a sign off that we do. I don't really know it, but it's like, like, follow, subscribe, heart, share, retweet blah, 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 all that language. Um, and like we said, check out Brian on socials. And you know what? If you're in need of an SAT prep. Hey, yeah, that, listen. SAT, are you a tutor? Or like, what's the term that you use? Uh, it's a, We do classes. I, I, mean, I mainly do classes more than one-on-one tutoring. So SAT classes. Yeah, SAT prep All programs. right, well, mm-hmm. there you go. You've got Brian at your disposal. Maybe you don't, but he's out there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Brian, thank you so much again. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye, Bye. guys.